The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. Today's show comes to you just a few days after the Giants completed their 2018 season, finishing with a 5-11 record. And on today's show, we're going to talk to Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're going to discuss the... Uh, the Giants season, and we're also going to talk about the uh, the upcoming draft process, one which uh, which we'll find our, our good friend Emery, you know, running all across the country. So uh, let me bring in Emery now. How you doing? I'm doing fine, Ed. I appreciate you bringing me on. Hey, no problem, no problem. I saw you. Uh, you know, you and I were both at the at the season finale on Sunday. And you know, let's let's just start with with a general thought quickly. Your thought on where the Giants are at the end of the 2018 season versus where they were a year ago. You know, it's funny, and I'm glad you prefaced it and phrased it that way or, or set it up that way. They are much better on offense now than they were last year, but they are not better on defense this year as they were last season. No, it's it's interesting and and you know that leads us to you know the the big question the big topic you know the, is of course everybody wants to talk about what are the Giants going to do at quarterback and I think you know I sat there yesterday and I listened to Pat Shermer speak and I had this impression prior to that but I have kind of always thought that when the Giants passed on Sam Darnold and and selected Saquon Barkley in the draft, I have kind of always thought that what they had in mind was a two-year plan, you know, where they were going to ride with Eli Manning. And as you said, the offense has improved. I don't think they see any reason at this point to deviate from that plan. You uh, you agree with me that you think that's what they're going to do, that they're going to ride with Eli at least at the beginning of next year? Uh, I don't. I don't feel as though they should 
Um, because just like yesterday, you saw glimpses of good Eli and also lapses of, of bad Eli. And I think the fact that you don't know when the good or bad Eli will show up within the game now, uh, it, it's it causes the offense to be stagnant. When he's on, the offense can average 30 points. But the problem is you don't know when that it's going to be. So I think they will have to turn the page and uh, make the move to get a little bit younger, better at quarterback. Now, a lot of that is depending on whether or not the guy that I, I believe is QB1 in Dwayne Haskins declares. I, I do believe he'll declare because of the first round grade given by the advisory committee. They don't just hand, hand those things out uh, willy nilly. Nine times out of 10 guys get grades that say, you know, late first, you should go back to school. Uh, rarely do you see first round grades given. So with that said, I think he probably will come out. And if that's the case, that's who the Giants should go target. But I, I, it, whether he stays or if they decide to go with a younger veteran, they have to turn the page on Eli. Now, the contract may dictate that Eli is there in 2019, which he more than likely will be. But I think they have to go in this year, whether it's both draft and free agency, and address at least QB2 with a look toward uh you know, replacing Eli Manning. You know, I think I would probably agree with you to an extent that it wouldn't surprise me at all if the quarterback room itself is much different next year than it is this year. I think that probably the way I the way I see it anyway, I think their plan at this point, and we'll hear from Dave Gettleman, you know, this week as well. But I think their plan seems to be to roll with Eli. But it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if um, if they do, you know, select a quarterback in this draft or do go out and get a younger quarterback, somebody that that might be blocked, you know, on another team's roster you know, by a guy with a big contract or, or by a, you know, a star quarterback, a guy who there just really isn't a path for playing time. So I don't know, but let me ask you this about Dwayne Haskins. If Dwayne Haskins was in last year's quarterback class and, you know, you as, you know, running football game plan and you do a lot of the, a lot of college scouting and we'll talk about some of that in a couple of minutes, but if you put Dwayne Haskins in last year's, you know, pretty much historic quarterback class, where would you have ranked him in that in that group of five, you know, that were all taken in the first round? He probably would have been just a slight grade, be- maybe a half grade behind my QB one of the draft, which was Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was my number one. My number two was Sam Darnold. My number three was Rosen. My number four actually was uh, Baker Mayfield. Number five, I had Lolletta. I'm sorry. And number six, I had um, Josh Allen. So for me, he would have been right behind Lamar Jackson on the strength of Lamar Jackson's ridiculous athleticism and that special talent in that regard. But from a pure passing standpoint, accuracy, anticipation, He's it, he would have it would have been along the same lines of how I graded 2016 or 2017 draft where I had Deshaun Watson number one, Pat Mahomes number two, and Deshaun Kaiser number three, all with maybe like a half point 
separating one another because they brought different skill set to the table. But Watson had the trump card of being the guy that was so money in the clutch. So that's what pushed him to number one. And with the ridiculous skill level of, of uh, Pat Mahomes, I had him at 1A, 1B. And Kaiser, I thought, played really well at Notre Dame, considering that the sophomore year we saw him with a full-fledged NFL roster, and they did great. I uh, got to the Fiesta Bowl, and then when everybody left his junior year and he was there with a team full of freshmen and a few sophomores, he still played well, although the team's overall record didn't reflect that. So I had him ranked that way, and if Haskins was in last year's class, I would have had him at 1B uh, right behind Jackson. So just so folks know, as we record this, it's Monday afternoon. This is actually Wednesday's Valentine's Views podcast. Um, and and as I was sitting here and, and Emery was, was talking about Haskins, I saw flash across my screen the fact that Daniel Jones from Duke has declared for the draft. Uh, em, you have uh, you have any thoughts on on Jones? You know, Jones is interesting, man, because it I guess for scouts, and this is why you want to try to get a good gauge of, of games to view. But if you're looking at Jones, it depends on what game you picked up to watch, right? So if you saw the bowl game, you're like, wow, this guy can make some throws. Yeah, he 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 kind of puts the ball in harm's way a little bit, but overall, he's a really good quarterback. You pick up another game, you're like, man, like this is the guy they're talking about going in the first round. Like, and then you pick up another game, you're like, all right, kind of, you know, maybe third, fourth round pick, you know. So I think it depends on which game you choose to view. But if you go from uh, front end to back end with his games, as far as his best game, his worst game, his best possible matchup, and a matchup where you like uh, intriguing uh, storylines in it, let's say if they play a team that has a really great secondary or a team that has a really really great pass rush or a team where he's facing a number one corner, and that way you have maybe four to five games that you could kind of shake up and, and watch in, in any different order and, and come away with a really good view of what he is. So I think he's probably more along the lines of a of a decent, maybe mid-second round type talent just from the initial view. I haven't put him under the microscope just yet, but that's just my initial take of watching the uh, bowl game that I just recently watched where Duke was in and Duke was able to dominate um, I want to say that was Temple. They beat the brakes off. I believe you're right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously you know, we could talk about the Giants and quarterback all day long, but, you know, and the Giants have a decision to make there. We'll see how that all plays out. But when I look at this Giants team, there's obviously, you know, still an issue in the offensive line. But for me, the biggest issue, I look at this team and I see – needs for upgrades in talent at every level of this defense. And what I'm going to ask you, you know, this many months, you know, before we actually get to the draft, in your view, does this draft shape up as one in which there's a lot of defensive help available, you know, if the Giants choose to to use the draft to try to bulk up on defense? I believe so. I, I think at two major positions of need, which would be outside edge rusher and also cornerback. So you look at, let's say, for instance, they take care of their quarterback situation in free agency. Right. And so now you go in the draft with a, a top six pick, which I think they believe I believe they pick six in the draft. So now you're in position to get a premier pass rusher. 
Now, Nick Bosa obviously will probably be gone, but there's a bunch of guys that can fill that role of being a guy that, that will consistently find himself in the opposing backfield at number six. Or if you decide to go back into front and want to strengthen the cornerback group because you feel as though the draft is so deep at pass rusher that maybe I have to take the best corner now because the the drop off between corner one and corner two is significant. Then you look at guys, maybe like DeAndre Baker from Georgia who has legit lockdown skills, which would give them a, a, a solid and premier number one. Um, so there's options that they can go with. I don't think there's a, a free safety, so to speak, where you could, you know, pin your hats on and say, hey, this is a difference maker, a, a mistake eraser back there on the back end. So I would say corner or edge rusher would be the top two 1A, 1B needs for this defense to address right away in, in the first round. Yeah, probably, you know, especially the pass rush, I think, is is really, really important. But there's just, you know, obviously free safety is an issue. Corner is an issue. But pass rush helps all of that. So, you know, for me, defensively, you know, the first priority has to be pass rush. So, but we'll we'll see how that all plays out. This as and as you indicate, though, you think uh, even into the second day, into the middle part of the draft, it you know, would there be pass rushers to be found at that point? I think so, man. This is something that we've seen in college football where you're going to have now. The problem with this class is the fact that maybe the offensive side of the ball is not as dominant as it was in, in other drafts. So that's going to force a lot of teams to draft defensive players in the first round. Um, some guys that probably would have slid to, to the second round, and that puts the Giants in a bit of a pickle because, okay, if you take this position first thinking that you're going to get a shot at it in the next round, you know when is the run on edge rushers going to start? Will it start at, at 1 or will it start at 16? So that's the thing about the drafts. And I, I do believe there's more pass rushers than premier corners. Um, but it all depends on what they do in free agency. That's why I like how free agency is a little bit before the draft so they can kind of identify some guys and take away a need. Maybe they can get a veteran corner that's still young and has still it still has some upside. And that way they can fully address the edge rusher position with youth and explosiveness um, cheaply with the, you know, with the five-year contract. So it'll be interesting to see how they play this situation because they got some options. I wasn't going to do this, but since we're talking about, you know, the defensive side of the ball and the needs at corner and the needs at edge rusher, you know, people are interested in the Giants' supplemental pick, Sam Beal, who spent the year on injured reserve what can you tell people about what to expect from Sam Beal uh, in the 2019 season? Bill is going to have to play a huge role because he's essentially, like you mentioned, he was a supplemental pick. So he's essentially a draft pick for this year. Um, so they obviously want to see him on the field and be productive. I think he plays the game a lot like what they have in Nickelback Grant Haley. So you're getting another scrappy guy, a guy that, that's a real uh, nuisance for receivers that can mirror and match. So, that's a bonus selection for the Giants um, that they can come in and, and have him compete for a, a starting role, whether it be that starting nickel position and allow Haley to play on the outside if they trust him a lot uh, to, to take those strides in, in his second season. So that's another bonus pick. 
A guy like Sean Chandler and his versatility of being able to play corner or safety gives them some flexibility. A guy they found as an undrafted free agent. I'm a big fan of Cameron Moore, whom they picked up off waivers from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he was a really good corner at BC. So they have young guys that they can work with. But Bill is going to be huge because they took they spent a draft pick on him last year uh, for this season in hopes that he can come in and be what they want in the secondary. And if that's the case, that means that that takes away one need off the table, a pressing need off the table, and then allows them to really go aggressive as far as getting their pass rush solved in the draft. So, M, let's turn to one of your favorite topics here. And for folks who don't really know, who aren't really familiar with football game plan, Emory and football game plan is that's one of the the premier places on the internet to go if you're interested in the small school prospects in a lot of the guys that that don't get a lot of headlines that that you may not know about uh, it's it's one of the best places to go to find out you know some things about those guys and with that said M we are hitting a point in time where some of the some of the smallish college all-star games some of those things that that people may not even be aware of that are out there are coming up and i know that uh you know that you've got your suitcase packed that you're ready to hit the road and and hit some of these games why don't you just tell people a little bit about uh about what's coming up as the as the college draft sort of cycle starts to begin and you where you're going to be and and, and kind of why you're excited about it sure i mean i'm you could tell in my voice I'm amped about it because, you know, we get to hit the ground running early and really start to. And this is when I put my scouting hat on, because during the football season, I'm either broadcasting a college game on the weekend and covering the Giants or Jets on Sundays. Uh, as In addition to my weekly work doing stuff for, you know, NFL videos and college videos. So I really don't get the scouting part of it. I don't get to join the scouting party until January when everything is is over for me. So this week I'll, I'll travel down to Fort Worth and that's going to be for the College Gridiron Showcase. And what's great about the, the College Gridiron Showcase is that it's a it's a, a smaller all-star game. And I say game only in name only because there is no game. And it's the two to three practices for these guys in a scrimmage. And which is great because it's a, a unique all-star a game where there is no game, and so therefore the scouts don't have to worry about whether or not they should stay for the game. So they see what they want to see during the practices. They interview the players throughout the week, and then they can either stay for the scrimmage and then leave after that or leave after they get the two days of practice done. So it really works well for the scouting schedule, and this is a lot of guys that are underrated. Maybe your sixth to seventh round guys and undrafted free agents, priority guys. Kyle Shermer will be there. Um, he's the coach's son, you know, he's, uh, Pat Turner's son is going to be there quarterback at Vanderbilt. So you're going to see a lot of guys here that's going to fill out those back end spots on rosters, uh, in, in mini camp and training camp and throughout the preseason. So I'm excited for that. Then I leave Fort Worth and go over to Daytona beach where I will be the color analyst for the tropical bowl, which is another underrated all-star game. Uh, this one will be a lot of guys from FBS programs with some guys from the FCS and in, into Canada. And I did this game last year and two guys were actually drafted from that game and Danny Etling. And I forget the guy 
that played defensive lineman for Alabama, but he also was able to be drafted as well. So, and that works well for the scouts because it's two to three days of practice with the game on Sunday. And then they leave that event and drive across the state to where I will be, you know, the next week um, in St. Petersburg for the East West shrine game. And then after that over to mobile for the senior bowl. So it's four all-star games in, in, in consecutive weeks. And I'm excited about it because it's just a great deal to get the ground running on uh, seeing talent up close, being able to interview guys and having all those interviews up, getting scouting reports done while also watching film in preparation for uh, pumping out this draft content. All I know is you're going to be spending a lot of time in a lot of places that are a lot warmer than it is here in the Northeast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will, You know what? Fort Worth may be tricky, man, because North... North Texas is, is one of those weird places. It, it could be 43 degrees and snowing uh, in North Texas. Now, once I get to St. Petersburg and Daytona Beach and Mobile, yeah, I'm in warmer weather. Still, it's a you know it's a great time to to really get to know, as you said, some of these guys that that really are are not you know the big names. They're not the guys that that everybody focuses on. The, the first round kind of talent, you know, when you think about the, the, the years that you've been doing this, um, you know, other than the one or two guys you mentioned already, are there some other guys that you found, you know, really your first kind of exposure to, you know, in games like this, you know, who actually, who made decent careers, you know, or who ended up with decent NFL careers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember it was 2011, and I went, I went to a Cornell-Yale game, do some scouting, and the quarterback just jumped off the page at me. It was like, man, this guy is good. He could really throw the ball anywhere. And I was like, "What? Well, I wonder what's his chances of getting popular, being, becoming a name guy. And fast forward to January, here he is in the, the Shrine game. And I'm like, wow. You know, so I guess I wasn't. My eyes didn't lie, and that was um, Jeff Matthews, who ended up playing uh, in the NFL for a little bit, but has had a long career in Canada. And he actually, in my opinion, he outplayed Jimmy Garoppolo that year in the Shrine game. Tariq Cohen was another one. Saw him and saw his skill set and was like, this dude can legit play anywhere. And I saw him as a, um, a junior at the Celebration Bowl. And I was like, Yo, this guy is just legit. And then saw him in, a, in an all-star game and told people about Tariq Cohen, told people about his skill set. And next thing you know, he goes to the Bears and then he blows up. So it's going to always be someone. And I love the fact that I can – and people think you just say that because you want to be out there first. But, no, nah, if a guy is performing, well, I'll just I tweet a takeout and, and post a, a scouting report or post an interview – um, same with P.J. Hall, who ended up going the second round to the Raiders out of Sam Houston State. No one. It's funny when I go to these all-star games, no one knows who these small school guys are except me. But when they make that impact in the NFL, now everyone has to go and find information about these players. And they end up pulling up a scout report I had or interview or tweet. Uh, so I, I like the fact that these games give these guys a chance to compete because you always want to see how can a guy like Tay Davis, who I knew well, at Chattanooga, how can he translate to the NFL if we never see him around guys that are going to be playing in the NFL? So that's why these smaller all-star games that have a good mix of FBS prospects and small school prospects gives these guys a, a great platform 
to showcase that their skill level does translate and they can project forward to the next level. So, M, go ahead and tell people where they can find all the various uh, the various football game plan work uh, that that you're putting together. Well, they can always follow me on Twitter at Fball Game Plan Number One, and make sure you subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network, which is located at YouTube.com/slash/FootballGamePlan. That's where you're going to see all of the videos that are just going to start pouring out um, on that on that YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe. You'll get a nice little alert in your inbox that says, hey, a new video has been posted and here's what it is. And you get to see the interviews, the draft content, all that stuff. And always bookmark our website, footballgameplan.com. M, thank you very much. I'm sure that, uh, you know, after your your tour of some of these smaller uh, all-star games uh, comes to an end, maybe we'll check back with you, uh, get get a few uh, a few thoughts on, on some guys who uh, who really impressed you so uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon thank you very much for spending a few minutes with me appreciate you ed thank you man anytime no problem all right giants fans that was emory hunt of football game plan and that pretty much brings an end to our first valentine's views podcast of 2019 as always we thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye now Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.